listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon, and I'd like to welcome back on the program Andrew Dambina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you. How are you doing? Good to speak to you, too. Yeah, yeah, not bad. I mean, it's, it's a funny question in these times, isn't it, Noreen? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be really upbeat. I, I was just saying to you, you know, I, I go between thinking like, oh, gosh, you know, what's happening to Hong Kong with all the panic buys and is it really that serious to, mm. oh, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe we're all overreacting. And then, you know, the next day I'll be like, oh, maybe we should be more vigilant. Maybe I should be wearing, you know, my face masks and, and, and washing my hands, yeah. you know, 18 times a day rather than the 12 times a day that we, we we keep being hit by new facts and we're not ta- not talking about this very tired phrase of fake news but 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 what seem to be facts on the incubation period going from 14 to 10 days um the fact that people have to be quarantined for 14 days should it really be 24 and also why are the rest of their family allowed to roam around when they're supposed to be in, inside in the same place, breathing the same air. Exactly. There, are, there are things to, to, to be not feeling that great about. However, it, it's, not, it, it's not just um, uh, Hong Kong. And if I may swiftly launch into uh, something that I wanted to mention, may I? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Chinese restaurants the world over, not only our really badly hit restaurants and bars in Hong Kong, but Chinese restaurants globally are feeling the customer drop as much as uh, a lot of establishments here. In the US, according to the New York Times a couple of days ago, uh, the Big Apple's three main minor towns, that's Manhattan, Queens and Brooklyn, have seen business drop from 50 to 70 percent in the last two weeks. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. um, There there, there are some very um, long-standing restaurants like there are in many Chinatowns around the world in New York. And the Nomwa Tea Parlor in Manhattan said business has reached a five-year low as of last Monday. And normally, they said that Chinese New Year is a boom time for New York City Chinese restaurants because they get crowds of international students who are visiting their New York-based family around Chinese New Year to have get-togethers, but this year, of course, it's all different. Yeah, there's that underlying sort of um, people avoiding Chinese restaurants and sometimes even Chinese people. We're seeing, you know, reports of it uh, around the world. Uh, You know, even in Hong Kong, people are avoiding uh, certain groups Mm. of Chinese people. Yeah, definitely. And it's um, just, just, just to add to the New York thing, it's also down, I've got just a couple of other reports, Boston's Chinatown, the Bo- a Boston radio station called WBUR, um, says it's uh, severely down there. And in San Francisco, uh, foot traffic just around Chinatown, never mind uh, just, uh, you know, in the restaurants, but just people not wanting to go around Chinatown, it's dropped 50%, according to the Chinese Merchants Association of San Francisco. Um, and according to a U.S. publication, Eater, Houston's Chinatown is in the same situation, and Chinatowns in London and Sydney are observing a decline in business as well. And actually talking about Sydney, in Australia, Chinese restaurants saw businesses down by 40% on the, uh, that was at the end of January, according to a report that I saw in the Australian newspaper. Gosh. So it's really, it's, it's wide-reaching. Um, the uh, you know the the, uh, the the fear by the by the own uh, by by the Chinese communities and of people who are not Chinese just sort of thinking that there may, might be people toing and throwing from places that are infected. It's natural yeah, that people might feel that's that way. That's so sad, though. It is. It is.
It is. It is interesting hearing that that that, that these restaurants well and sad to hear that they're suffering. And such a significant drop as well, fifty to seventy percent. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah, changing changing the subject to something completely different. Um, th- over the last week, the the Michelin guys that we've spoken about um, at different times for the about the Hong Kong one or different titles that they have around the world. Um, they have just introduced, and I know this will appeal to you, um, a sustainable cooking symbol. Um, it's, it was revealed last week um, in the, at the launch of the Michelin Guide to France 2020. There's a new icon, which is uh, green in colour, that looks a bit like a clover, and it's been allocated in the France Guide to more than 50 sustainable restaurants. And they get they get in there, they can be anything from like a three Michelin star, that's the highest you can get, like really fine dining, because they're operating things that are very significantly sustainable, such as a permaculture vegetable garden that has zero waste policy. That's, that's, that, that's where a restaurant that's um, some of those really high, you know, highly rated ones with a bit of money might have their own little vegetable garden that they use agricultural ecosystems that are all you know, self-sufficient and non-wasting. So it's encouraging um, top restaurants that are voted into the Michelin Guide to take up the mantle of being, um, not just being green for the sake of it, you know, to greenwash, as the phrase is called, where people try to look green but aren't doing anything, but to really have some significant layers of being ecologically friendly to do that. Um, and another example might be um, matching uh, food with uh, or matching menus with what they have that can be in their restaurant larder and refrigerator so that they're using things deliberately to use up their food stocks and not throw them away or to have mm. to even compost them or recycle them. Exactly. Yeah. You never know. No. Well, no, you don't. No, you don't, you don't. So maybe when, maybe when you see a chef's menu in an ecologically friendly uh, restaurant, it just happens to mean whatever's left in his fridge. But it, but it, but, it, but, it, but, but but we shouldn't but we shouldn't snub that because it's probably a good idea rather than wasting, isn't it? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other other news again. Um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You heard of him? Um, the Rock. Yeah, The Rock. Yeah, that man. He 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 he's um launch about to launch a uh, a new tequila, uh, a, a kind of pretty good tequila, and he placed an advert in uh, the uh, in the Super Bowl 2020 uh, TV schedule that was on just uh, about a, about a week ago, and he had a video of himself playing some sort of game with a few drinks in hand to uh, to big up his new tequila. Um, but it, but it's not it's not kind of just some ex wrestler now actor kind of guy launching a tequila um, for the uh, for purely for the sake of sales. I'm sure that the sales come into it. But he has enlisted some really top uh, makers of tequila. It's co-founded uh, with by himself and also industry veterans in making high quality tequila in America. New York based Jenna Fagan and Ken Austin. They work together in a New York-based uh, tequila that's called Avion, which is regarded as, as one of these boutique small-batch ones that gets really highly rated and is poured in some of the best bars in the world. So it's interesting sometimes. You know, like some, I think we've mentioned before, some rappers have gone into uh, producing either wine or other 
other drinks, bourbon and so on. So now we have a wrestler who, well, he's an actor. <laughs> he's known for his acting now, but, but, but uh, ex-wrestling stock going into tequila. So um, that is, uh, it, it's called Terry Manor. And um, it will be launched in America and Mexico and Canada. I'm sure a few bottles will make its way to this part of the world. Might be a good way of killing a few germs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe they just need to find other ways to make money, these actor types. Yeah, um, could be. Yeah. Could be. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a massive fan of, of tequila myself. How about you? Um, I mean, I know... No, I know, I know Mr. Phil Whelan is or was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Phil, no, you, no, you Phil loves it. a bit of tequila, doesn't he? Well, let's hope he's tuning in because uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson will release his new bottles next month, well, Harry Manor. I just yeah. Googled that and, and it says, well, this was an, an old article, but I think initially um, it wasn't so popular and it said, Dwayne Johnson's Manor Tequila Dreams Hit Rock Bottom. That's hey, <laughs> like it, like it. Yeah, well, you know, actually, okay, what happened was he... Um, he put out a trademark application in 2018, two years ago. He wanted to make tequila two years ago, but he put in an application for the name Mana, and just Mana by itself was rejected in 2018 for being too similar to products with the same name. So it's taken him, him and his team two years to get through the process of getting the right name listed, as well as all of the production of the actual drink itself. Oh. Um, that, yeah, and um, I mean, tequila, the, just so you know, it, it, he might be using these top distillers that I mentioned before, Jenna Fagan and Ken Austin from Avion Tequila. But um, the, it, these bottles will be going for um, 30 US dollars, and then there's one which is aged for um, up to nearly a year, which will be going for uh, 33 uh, US dollars. So that's about, it's you know, sort of 270 to 300 for the more expensive one, the Hong Kong dollars, which is, um, I guess, these days with really top-end spirits. So a lot of whiskeys cost a lot more than that, I can tell you. So it's um, so it, it's for people, tequila bars also in Hong Kong, you know, in normal times, uh, bars are doing more and more cocktails with tequila. It's becoming more popular here. It never used to, but still not really not really my uh, my, my, my go-to drink. But uh, but interesting that, that there's another celeb face with it. Exactly. Um, and sticking with uh, boozy matters for the moment, uh, uh, something of a more, perhaps a more serious nature. Um, last week, it was announced that uh, uh, two of Australia's leading wine science organisations are helping vine growers across the country to assess the impact of smoke taint on uh, grape samples. And that's following, of course, the country's devastating bushfires that were burning for a very long time. Um, Australia's National Wine and Grape Industry Centre and the uh, Charles Sturt University in New South Wales are working together with growers of uh, grapevines for wine to test samples and help growers understand the potential impact of smoke exposure on their vines. Because every time there are bushfires, and, uh, and also in California it happens a lot around the Napa Valley um, and Sonoma, when there are fires, this can really affect the taste of uh, um, of grapes on the vine, where the where the vine is singed, um, and that taint or smoke from all of the smoke that wafts over them from ages can get into the fruit. And when it comes to harvest, that that can still be in there, and it will make a 
smoked wine, if you like, or a smoke. There'll be a, there'll be a taste of smokiness, which is which really can't be enjoyed in the same way that, that wine normally would be. Um, so this comes after the uh, uh, after the the national body for wine in Australia, which is called Wine Australia, recently reported that up to 1,500 hectares of vineyards, that's around 1% of Australia's total vineyard area, uh, has been affected by the blazes, by the fires. That's 1% of the total vineyard area, 1,500 hectares. To give some uh, idea of scale, Lama Island is 1,400 hectares, so affected is slightly more than that. So it's, um, it, I mean, it's, um, it, it's across the country, though. 1%, I mean, you know, you have to kind of touch wood and and think well it could be it could, it could be have been worse. a lot worse yeah, yeah. The, the majority actually of the affected area is in uh, adelaide south australia mm. area um near adelaide hills but there was also a bit of damage in new south wales in the uh tumbarama uh, region which is another wall growing area and there's no way to make smoky wine a thing like you do with smoky whiskey you know a bit of peaty yeah. smoke uh, yeah, i mean it hasn't been it hasn't been done, and I think that maybe the alcohol content of you know somewhere between twelve to fourteen percent on average for Australian wines be that you will notice that smoke a lot more than when you've got a forty percent proof alcohol, which is which is kind of a smouldering taste anyway. And also with whiskey, there's um, there's a tradition of uh, of in the process of making it to uh, to heat up the stills. With by burning peat, and this smoke does get into the whiskey. With it's burnt to to um, to to boil up the uh, the stills while everything's fermenting. Um, so it does it does get in there, and it, I think if people in Australia are producing wines which are so much lower content, can you imagine with the white wine as well? How how um, how that would really stand out? Some reds which are quite robust in their flavour might be able to take it a bit. And in France, there's, um, there are one or two wines I know that, that do have a little smokiness to them in the process. But generally speaking, I don't think the, the, the wider public and for more affordable, quaffable wines, people are going to accept a smokiness in wine. It would just be too weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, so um, the, uh, what, what the, these two bodies, the university and the National Wine and Grape Industry Centre, is doing is actually helping... The, uh, the vineyards and the, the wine estates to send off samples and get them tested in labs to give them an alert whether they should actually pick these grapes when it comes to the harvest time or not. So that's uh, that's that's something that's an extra thing that's been affected by the bushfires in Australia. Um, and finally, um, it's it's Valentine's Day and I've been receiving a lot of. Um, press releases from restaurants and bars uh, um, and I, I thought I, you were going to sure say you received a lot of you know cards cards, cards and flowers cards. yeah they've all, they've all got they've all got question marks and kind of interesting riddles and stuff I can never work every year it's the same hundreds of them can never work it out Laurie. but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, all, all I was going to say though is that um, while restaurants here are ploughing ahead um, with Valentine's Day meals and cocktails I've even seen from one Japanese restaurant, a sushi and tataki workshop for couples, which is so nice and sweet. But but it just, um, I, I think that I'm sure that you also, well, that we both wish them all the very best for this Valentine's Day in, in getting a few people in. Uh, my, my, my wife works in a hotel um, and um, 
they do have some bookings for Valentine's Day dinners in some of the restaurants. And, um, you know, it's just such a such a, a, a weird time. And uh, I think we just have to wish them the very best of luck getting some people in there. What about you, Noreen? Will you be, uh, I don't suppose you'll be out and about. You've got two, you've got a very young yeah, couple of children there. That's always a good excuse, not Exactly. So I've got, yeah, I guess I'll just do a double date with them then. Just my husband yeah. and the two kids. I don't know, maybe stay in. Yeah. It looks, yeah. looks like we're well, staying in. You know, if you like, we can do a WhatsApp video call because I'll be in with my with my uh, teenage son and wife um, because he, he, he can't go out as much as he wants to. Having a 17-year-old with cabin fever at this oh. time of being off school is really quite trying. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what What's interesting is I try to look up the sales of uh, changing the subject, uh, well, still sticking with mm. cor- the coronavirus. I was trying to look at how the corona beer um, and how their sales have been affected uh, by the coronavirus, mm. but I've okay. not, I, couldn't, I couldn't find anything uh, on oh. it. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't well, think they've released, I think they're staying away from any sort of uh, association. Yeah. Um, I don't I think they're going to release any anything good or bad. No, I think I think, I think apart from um, social media memes that have been going around featuring Corona bottles, um, it's uh, I think that people are unless they're doing it for a laugh. That people are not really uh, that that taken with the idea at the moment. It probably probably they've seen a dip in sales. I would have thought, wouldn't you? I'm sure they they have. I mean, uh, uh, the the closest article I saw was Carlsberg. Um, and they they reported sort of a dip in sales um, in, in China in particular because restaurants are, are sort of closing and, and just people are not going out as much. Well, like you it, and it's um, you know that, it, that was predictable. It is. It is. I mean, I've I've also read the same about um, you know sort of in the same light and quite obviously I suppose that wine sales, which are normally at a peak during Chinese New Year in mainland China, um, have been uh, have. Uh, I think the phrase in the article that I read had uh, had fallen over a cliff uh, mm. in terms of a plummet of sales because that would be that's the kind of Christmas time for mainland China for selling wine and quality bottles of wine, champagne, you know, the really high end bottles because normally there's a lot to celebrate at New Lunar New Year. Yeah. So well, hopefully, let's just hope. That, yep. Let's just hope that this this coronavirus will be on its way out and soon we'll be celebrating. Yeah, then we can get the, then we can get the bottles out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, we, we might have to just have the tequila at home then. Any tequila it doesn't have to be the rock. I um, think so. <laughs> well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon, and that's Andrew Dembina, and we'll be chatting again uh, this time next week. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Noreen. Bye.